morning. Happy Mother's Day to every single one of the moms, the grandmoms, the great-grandmoms that are here. It is a day to celebrate. God has blessed us with an absolutely beautiful day. We are once again reminded of his amazing grace. Second Timothy chapter 3 in your Bibles will be our text. We're going to pause from our series in 1 Peter and we're going to examine what I refer to as Motherhood 101, majoring on what really matters. <clears throat> Once you found that, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll read that in just a moment. Let's bow our heads and ask for God's help as we learn this morning. Father, as we come before you, we recognize your holiness. We recognize, Lord, the fact that in and of ourselves, we are completely and thoroughly unholy. But we are grateful for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that closes the gap that when we put our faith and our trust in the blood of Christ, we can have a close, personal, intimate relationship with you. We thank you for your word. I would ask right now that through the work of your spirit, you would open up our our eyes and our ears to see and to hear what you would like for us to learn. And that ultimately you would be glorified as we honor moms that you still be glorified above all else. That is our prayer we leave with you now in Christ's name. Amen. Did you ever see those little oval um, bumper stickers on the back? It'll say 13.1 or 26.2. When you see something like that, you say, well, that's a that's a half marathoner right there, or that's, when you see 26.2, that's a person who's, who's run a, a full marathon. I saw one recently, um, and it said 26.8. And real small at the bottom, it said this, I got lost. <laughs> I, I, I did that. I laughed when I saw that. That's what I feel oftentimes when we talk about this idea of mother. I, I feel that there's a lot of moms who are kind of like, they're getting lost out there. With how do we do this? We know that children are cute, but they are not always cute. We know that children are fun, but they are not always fun. We know that children are huggable and lovable, but they are not always huggable and lovable. Thus, the reason that we hear people say, or perhaps we even say, moms, you may say these words at times. I need a break. Need a break. Thus, Mother's Day. We set one day aside from the rest of the year to honor our mothers, to give them a break. I'm sure all you little ones scurried in to bring Mama breakfast in bed today to honor her, to express your love and to show your appreciation. That's what we want to do. But as we open up the truth of the gospel, the word of God, there's going to be an element as well that I believe we challenge our moms. Now, please understand that I cannot speak as an expert on this subject because I am not a mom. But I consulted with my mom because she is a mom. I consulted with my, my wife, the mother of our two children. I have a younger sister who's a mother. I have an older sister who's a mother. And most importantly... We are able to go to the truth of the Word of God that, that what is precise and exact, that has everything and more 
on teaching us how to be, teaching you how to be a godly mother. We would very quickly conclude, and accurately so, that motherhood is hard work. Motherhood is not easy. I know some of you probably would agree with that. Although there's many moms that would be here today that would say, okay, it's not easy, but I have accepted the fact we add that our children are a blessing from God. They are a gift, a heritage. And so we hear these words, I will endure it. As a mom, I can handle it. I can tolerate it. I can make the most of it. While that thinking is admirable, oftentimes we what? We settle for a second best. We sell ourselves short into thinking that being a mother is something that we endure until our kids are 18 years old. My prayer this morning, I have been praying over this message a lot this week. My prayer is this. As exhausted as you may be as a mom, as frustrated or as discouraged or even irritated, even at this very moment. That reminds you, there's those moments when your face is in the pillow and you are crying and the pillowcase is wet with your tears. Let me remind you that He, God, is there. That He is perfectly faithful. That He hears your cries, that he sees you, that he knows you best, and ultimately he loves you. And so my prayer is, is to be reminded this morning for you as moms, it's not to be something that you just endure. But by God's grace, it is to be something that you enjoy. You enjoy being a mother. However, we live in a society, sadly, there is a problem. Now you're saying, why in the world if we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, these first few verses? It's not your typical Mother's Day message. This is what the truth of God's Word says. Follow along as I read. Understanding there is a problem that exists in our world today. Moms are thrust into the middle of it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. But understand this, but know this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning, never being able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Wow, happy Mother's Day. Grab another flower. What in the world is this about? This is a blunt, harsh description of the troublesome times of today. It refers to the last days. That's since the arrival of the Holy Spirit. This is the church age we're speaking about. It is a description in great detail with very graphic and strong language. 
But I'm not going to address every single one of these problems individually. And instead, I want to draw your attention in the midst of this general picture, there is specific people, there are specific people. In the midst of all of that ugliness, there are specific people, it says this, who have the appearance of godliness. The word is eusebia. It's a form of godliness or a form of reverence, a form of commitment to true religion. But it says that they exist and they are denying its power. There are certain people that have form without reality, the structure without the life. Certain people, the Holy Spirit is not in them. The life of God is not in them. They are, according to what we see in Scripture, hypocrites. They have no love of God. They have no love for His truth. They have no love for His people. They love themselves. Now, please understand, I'm not categorizing. This is not a reference to all unbelievers. This is not a reference to some who may be, may be seeking the truth. We would never be told to avoid them completely. These are people who have positively rejected the authority and the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, yet they want to appear like they're doing it right. They want to appear... Holy. God's word says this, avoid them, stay away from them. Paul describes, Paul describes a problem that exists in our society. It is a very effective tactic of the evil one. That there are these people, these hypocrites, these false teachers. Listen to this description. They creep into households and they capture. Weak women, burdened with sins and led astray. Again, this is a Mother's Day message to honor moms. There's an image here that says there's someone like in a mask that's sneaking in and grabbing someone, throwing them over their back and running out. This is not speaking literally as far as someone grabbing, in, grabbing someone and running out with them. Okay, This is not physically what, what is happening here. But this is, this is talking about what can happen to many women mentally, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. Now, please, please understand this. This is not a characterization of all women. This is not Pastor Tim saying all women are weak. It is not that. Don't misquote me or misunderstand me in any way. What this is saying is this. There are some women, there are some moms who allow themselves to be susceptible to a false message. What are the false messages? It can be anything from Oprah to Osteen. It can be relativism. It can be mysticism. It can be prosperity theology. It can be moralism. Certain women allow themselves to be susceptible to false doctrine. And the Bible describes those women as women who are weak. Strong language. Let's look at the structure of Scripture. Let's look all the way back to the Old Testament. Scripture is very clear that women are what? Precious. They are to be honored. 
and taken care of. They are to be cherished. Women are to be loved, and women are to be protected. The order that God has in place, fathers are to guard and protect your daughters. Husbands are to guard and to protect your your wife. Widows are to be guarded and protected by the local church. Older women are to guard and protect younger women. There's a structure, there's an order that's there. And sadly what's happening is that many men sit passively and idly and quietly absent from what's happening in the home. John MacArthur describes it like this, and I quote, just as Satan's strategy was to deceive Eve all the way back in the Garden of Eden, just as Satan's strategy was to deceive Eve, so heretical false teachers have frequently chosen to spread their falsehoods by the same method. It doesn't mean that they don't approach men also. It's just that Scripture is telling us that they're, they are a target very often. What is this? How does this happen? What does this look like? It's, it's individuals who are allowing themselves to constantly be under a barrage of false teaching, of false doctrine. It can happen by what? Well, I just I read a blog online. And, and, I, and I saw this article. I heard this television show. Or, or I heard it on the radio. Or it arrived in the mailbox. Or there was a knock on my door. All types of ways. What this speaks about the fact is that it starts, it starts there in the minds oftentimes of, as Scripture says, weak women. And when it gets into the minds, it actually filters into the rest of the home and the family, into schools, and even into churches that can be led away into dangerous, destructive doctrine. That's a situation that was happening even in the city of Ephesus that Paul is writing about. It happened in Colossae as well. Paul describes it like this. He he continues on. He says that they're always learning, but they're never able to arrive at, at, at a knowledge of the truth. Isn't that very descriptive of our world today? Always learning, but never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. This is a reference to the false knowledge that exists out there that has become so commonplace. So much so that people cannot even recognize the truth, primarily the truth of the gospel, even when they see it. Exact same thing can happen today. And it pours out, please understand this, if you do not initially understand the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will never understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you don't understand the message of the gospel, you're not going to understand what it means to be living under the authority of the word of God and the spirit of God. You will have no understanding what it means to be a godly, spirit-filled mom. You'll have no idea how to be a godly, spirit-filled grandmother. If you don't have an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so much, so much of our society today has been misinformed and misled into thinking that motherhood is, is only about dirty diapers and runny noses and temper tantrums in the middle of the grocery store. Sleepless nights. If you survive, then you succeed. Almost as if your little one is robbing you of you, of your individualism, of your freedom. 
Typical thoughts for this day. I read just this week in a blog, a young mother of two writes, Surviving Motherhood, 12 Tips to Make It Through a Life. Number one, find an escape. You need to escape somehow. Whatever it is, just escape. Number two, prioritize yourself. Number three, simplify your life. Number four, decide what you want to become. Number five, accomplish something today. Lose weight, run a marathon. It, it's what, it's kind of all about you. It kind of is descriptive of what Paul writes. Lovers of self. Over the years, over the years, we have progressively lowered the bar to the point that says if we just make it through and our children are, or they don't kill someone or kill themselves, then we've succeeded. We can declare victory. It's almost as if this constant drip, drip, drip of pagan philosophy has literally eroded the thinking of the truth. What has happened is that there have been false doctrines that we actually allow to creep into our homes. You have to be careful about that. We have moms today, and the truth is the truth, that overemphasize things that do not matter. We have moms and dads that overemphasize things that do not matter, and they underemphasize things that do matter. Yes, we want our kids to get good grades. That's important. Yes, we want our kids to excel in sports and dance and be beautiful and be popular. But why? Why? So God can be glorified or so that you can be glorified. That's the truth of what we have to examine from the light of Scripture. People, when we live, when we breathe in light of the gospel, when we understand, when we understand a sovereign God created you, formed you, loved you, rescued you from your sins by offering himself through his own incarnation, through his crucifixion and his resurrection. God has done this for you. You live every day in light of that. You get to live with a purpose and that purpose is to bring glory to God. And your purpose is that you are able to live every single day with your little one. And you get to tell them that message. You get to read to them and pray with them. Talk to them and tuck them in with that message of truth. And constantly what happens is that if we're not running around crazy, taking them from lesson to practice to recital, that we feel guilty. Somehow as parents that, that we're not spending every spare dollar or every spare minute turning them into the next Mozarts or Mikhail Cabrera or Miss America. Sadly, looking around, there is a problem. Many are buying lies. The world says in order to succeed, then you must achieve excellence in academics and perfection on the playing field and mastery in music and the arts. All of that, if you don't receive a scholarship or some accolade or award or acceptance, all of that effort and all of that focus, when the reality is the results of our own children actually are not that great. Many of our kids, our own kids, are falling prey 
To what? To the prince of this world, to Satan and his lies. Many pretty and popular girls have shipwrecked their lives and their reputations and their faith. Many gifted young athletes have fallen pride, have fallen to pride and to arrogance, slumping into lives like everyone else of partying and drunkenness and drugs. Many brilliant young students have achieved nothing more than a boastful view of themselves and an insatiable hunger and lust for more of what the world has to offer. More money, more wealth, more toys, more junk. That's what's happened. Moms and dads have the opportunity to offer more options and opportunities than ever before. There are more toys and technology that are given to our kids than ever before, yet virtually every single negative statistic for young people continues to rise. According to the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, teenage drinking and drug use have still never been higher than right now. In the past 25 years, teenage suicide rates have tripled. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, it is the third leading cause of death for kids between the age of 15 and 19. The third leading cause of death for kids between 15 and 19 is that they're killing themselves. There's more depression today in homes and anger and violence than ever before. And our kids have never had more resources. They've never had more stuff, more choices, more access to knowledge, the best health care and food and nutrition and classes and com- comfort than ever before. All of it seems very descriptive of what we read in a depressing view of 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first seven verses. When, when are we going to major on that what really matters is families? When is the stuff that, that achieving goals that actually matter a thousand years from now going to be put on our list of important things to do today? When are we going to give more attention to God's instruction for raising kids? than what the world's instruction is. Ever notice today that people don't do anything. People do not do anything without first consulting in experts. You want to buy a house, buy a car. When you get married, you're going to, to, to buy a puppy, get a fish tank. Let's Google it. Let's see what comes up and read a blog or a review. Let's consult an expert who in reality may actually be a kid with a computer in his basement for all you know. You don't have to call the 24-hour 1-800 hotline okay, to figure out whether or not, am I, am I an overprotective mother? Is my kid a picky eater? Should I spank or not? You know what you should do? You fall on your knees and you pray, God, give me wisdom. It's what we ought to be doing. What we do is we open the Word of God together as a family. We turn off the computers and technology and television and we open it up and see what God's Word has to say. It says, children, be obedient to parents. It says, children, honor, honor your father and your mother. You don't speak like that to your mom. You don't use that tone with your dads. It says, what dads, you do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't exasperate your children. 
flipping through a magazine in a waiting room. Parents magazine, how can I build up my child's self-esteem? Which I do about thumb sucking and bed wetting. Should I pick up my baby every single time he cries? It's as if society is falling down and bowing at the shrine of knowledge. When God's word says the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. There is a problem. Secondly, and thankfully, there is a solution. A couple verses down. Look at verses 14 and 15. Look, look at this. I love these verses. I love this picture that is created. Second Timothy chapter 3, there is a solution. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says this, but as for you, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here it is, the solution to the problem, the answer to the question that the millennials are looking for, the Gen Y, Gen X, their moms and their dads. The answer, the solution is found in the Word of God. And it starts like this. Paul says to Timothy, as you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. What Paul is doing here is he strikes a chord with Timothy and he, and he cuts deep to what he knows to be true. He goes to who taught him. Timothy, I want you to remember who taught you. Knowing from whom you have learned a direct reference back a couple chapters to chapter 1 and verse 5. It's talking about Eunice and Lois. It's talking about his own mother and his grandmother. Not only who taught him, when he was taught, from childhoods. Mom and grandma got it right here. When they're little, what he was taught... He was taught the sacred scriptures, the sacred writings. Moms, do you understand? Do you understand the impact here? Do you understand the amazing, wonderful responsibility that comes with being a follower of Christ and a mother and a grandmother? Every single day, every day, you have access to pour into them to raise them, to teach them, to talk to them, pray with them, to share and show them the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth is not just to endure. The truth is that we can enjoy. Dads and moms, are you striving for children who are not only educated or excellent, skilled athletes, He's striving for children whose loving behavior towards God and others proceeds and pours out of a godly heart. That's what matters. He's striving for children who are humble and submissive and obedient followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's striving for children who are wise and want to do that which is good to do that which is good and avoid that which is evil. How's it going to happen? Is it going to happen by driving them around constantly? 
dropping them off from one class to recital to practice to a game to a party. No, that's, that's what we call a taxi driver. Here's $10, go have some fun, and, and then, no, that's what we call a cash machine. That's not a parent's. And we're not here to be taxi drivers and cash machines. We come to a place in Mother's Day is an amazing opportunity. It says that if you have then been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above. It says set your minds on things that are above. Now there isn't a parent here, there isn't a mom in this room. There isn't in some way say, you know what, I've fallen prey to someone thinking of this world. By God's grace, he knows that. God knows that. And God sees you. And God knows that even right now in the depths and the recesses of your own hearts, that when we confess and say, Lord, from this moment onward, I want to be a mom. That, that, that models, that knows the truth of the gospel and lives every day in light of that. You can do that. From this moment, mark this day. 5, 10, 15. You know this day that we establish the truth in our own hearts and we settle for that which we know matters a thousand years from now. I'm going to read to you this in closing Colossians chapter 1. Listen to this. And I close with this. Colossians chapter 1 and 15. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. In him, in heaven, and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to recon reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood his cross. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you, we confess that it is very easy to be susceptible to the dripping, the constant dripping of this world's philosophies. And it can erode away. Father, we know that the truth, we know that the gospel, we know that your word never erodes. It lives and endures forever. God, help us to establish our, our minds, our hearts, our homes, our families. And this church, your church, upon the truth of the gospel. May we live understanding and knowing 
that you are to be preeminent over all, over us. Father, give us the strength to live every day in light of the marvelous good news of the gospel. I pray for moms right now that you would encourage them, uplift them. May they be reminded of the amazing responsibility that is upon their shoulders. But the privilege and blessing it is to live in light of the gospel as a model for their children. Bless them. We love you. We thank you for the truth of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Stand with us, please, as we close. As God is working on our hearts, let's just go out with a song of surrender uh, before Him. you have 